Well, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, it is a slightly busier pod than usual. There's far more faces than I usually expect to see. Uh, I am joined by uh, Henry, who has got what beer of choice is it today? Obviously, we're sponsored uh, well, by Docs. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I ran out of Docs and then I ran out of Peronis, and now I'm on the Moretti like Bruce. So, <laughs> so it's a sliding scale of quality, is it? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and then we've got a rather we've got a rather dinged up Tom. Who decided to spend his uh his afternoon getting beaten up at a five-a-side game? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Um, I don't know. Basically, the I went in for a tackle, and uh, the guy who I was trying it was it was absolutely chucking it down on Monday night in Cardiff, and so I, I guess you kind of use more of your body momentum to try and stop yourself and my head was a bit lower than it would normally be in a game of football and the guy who was clearing the ball uh, his leg had turned into a cannon momentarily uh, and just sort of whacked the ball in my face uh, which took a chunk out of my eyebrow and they ended up in A&E with blood dripping down my face um, getting stitched back up or not stitched but glued back together um, only moments before I'd been talking to the guy about being a Blackburn Rovers fan in another pausing play when presumably the ball went over the fence. Such was the quality um, of play. But yeah, it's, no, I'm fine, thanks. It's nothing. <laughs> I scored an own goal for, during that Monday night when it was howling with wind down here. I scored an own goal from a goal kick. It went back right over my head, which was wonderful. Um, everybody else is here as well so we don't have time for it but bruce is here hannah's here gareth uh, matt and ian are here as well uh they're going to be listening in and probably chipping every now and then but um i mean we th- these men need no introduction but we'll do it anyway andrew is in uh dry surroundings in the main stand i'd imagine but is still on his way back down to london after a busy day how are you how's the journey been and how have you had how's the day gone so far it's been it's been a great day. I mean, obviously, uh, it's the start of a new chapter, and we're we're excited to to get going on uh, to get going on the on the hard work ahead of us. But uh, as I was saying to you guys earlier on, it's a it's you know it's a little bit of an unusual day for me from a sort of media perspective and doing podcasts and that sort of thing. It's all it's all quite new, but um, but you no, know, enjoying it and it's it's great. And and Jason, I know Jason's on the lines, but it's it's great to be partnering with Jason in this uh, in this project. And you know and, and you know and it's a it's a proper passion project, but also it's one that we're taking very seriously uh, to, to, you know, to, re- to really try, drive improvement in, uh, in something that we're all, we're all very, very excited about. Jason, um, I, I, it's been a whirlwind day, I guess. You just had enough time to, to finish your, the, the media and come back to us after a few pints in the swashy, I imagine. Yeah. Is the swashy still even there? I don't know, is it? I'm at my brother's house, so just rushed home. Um, I see, I stay at my brother's when I'm when I'm in in town, but um, now I'm not drinking at the moment. So so it's just I've been nice to stay in a glass of water for reasons that I won't go into now. But actually, Andrew, I just came in and my, my brother said that it'd gone well. Today. I haven't seen any of the content. It's like a vision of what Anthem Deck will be in twenty years from now, apparently, like an aging version of that. So um, I'm not sure. I think that was a compliment, but not entirely entirely sure. 
are you going to start um, uh, standing on particular sides as well so people can e- easily identify like Anton Deck do? Not a bad idea, actually. Not bad idea. There, there, was, there was one stage today where they did ask us to change sides because that's where we've been standing before. So I think that they're already thinking about that. So. Been I, well, scouted. Been scout, scouted for Saturday Night TV. <laughs> I mean, have you got regular places? We'll, we'll, we'll sort of, we've got obviously... A, a mound of questions but we've, we've hopefully the, the fans have been able to pick the ones they want asking but um have you got particular places you like to sit in blundell park and are you gonna i guess you're gonna miss them i guess no i, I go with my brothers and so and, and my nieces and nephews in the finder so we were talking about this you know we've, i've sat in every part of the ground over the years and obviously try and get to i'm trying to get as many games as i can so we always sit in the finders youngs whatever it's called now or has been called um, stand, but um, I always like the main stand. But just the visibility is not great, is it? With all the, all the different um, pillars there, so I just like, I like the atmosphere in there. But um, we'll probably sit in the Findus. We've talked about one of the one of the things we want to do is get rid of the boardroom. You know, one of the things we definitely don't want to go to football games and have to sit with a bunch of old white blokes um, in, in in blazers. Um, so, so one of the things we're thinking of doing is how can we. How can we give that to some of the sponsors, maybe, as a space, and so we can we can be where we can in the ground? But I don't know about you, Andrew, but I think um, I like the fenders. I like to, I like the distraction of watching the, the ships up and down the estuary if the game's boring. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like you. I've sat in most parts most parts of the ground over the years. Um, started out in the main stand, but I kind of ended up ended up in the fenders. Maybe as uh, I get colder as as time goes on, but. Um, yeah, I think I think we'll probably be sticking sticking there for the time being. Um, certainly, you know, in terms of in terms of the away the away games, I'm not I'm not sure I want to again like you, Jason, sit in uh, sit in boardrooms. I'd much rather be be amongst the uh, amongst amongst the, amongst the fans. And so certainly, I'll, I'll be I'll be looking to stand 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 amongst the fans as much as possible when I'm when certainly when going away. Because we will be we will be standing quite a lot in the National League, unfortunately. <laughs> So um, doing my finest tabloid impression and reading between the lines then, guys, does that mean that we can expect a newly built main stand with perfect visibility in the near future? It's really funny how, how people take, take a comment and spin it into, that was pretty good, Henry, actually. It's, um, <laughs> short, short answer is no. Um, longer answer is maybe. Um, we're, we're, you know, we've had a lot of questions today about, um, in fact, it was, it was literally 11, 11 minutes and 30 seconds into the first interview group interview around the new stadium and you know the, the near-term near project genuinely is is as you've heard today hopefully um is about pitches we've got the, 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 the work started on Cheapside yesterday uh, Blundell Park will start next week so I'll give the lads a playing surface um uh, and then we'll get onto the culture that you know longer term we'll look at the stadium stuff but you know we've got to make sure that we change the culture and the infrastructure for the near term and then, you know, as you'd expect, someone with, particularly with Andrew's background in property and private equity, we, we, we need to look at the stadium, including Blunder Park, to actually, you, you want, you're onto something there, which is, you know, one of the things that's been taken off the table in the last few years is Blunder Park as an option for a refresh. And so so we'll, we'll have a look at that over the next, you know, next period. But it's got to be several. The last thing any of us want is to saddle the club with a load of debt that puts you at risk of, you know the stuff that we've seen at places like Bolton, etc. So, so um, you know, so half joking about the main stand there, only. But you know, I think I think one of the things we want to look at is is there an option at Blunder Park to modernise it and keep some of the history there? But 
um, it, it's, it's not going to be something we'll get to in the next few months. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been we've been engaged. Um, we've been engaged, obviously, in the in in relation to the docs project with with Tom, uh, and and we've also been sort of given inside inside views as to what the plans are for Freeman Street. So you know, again, we're we're happy to look at all the options and figure out which one is going to be both sustainable and viable for the future. And and, and again, the third option clearly is is staying at an enhanced uh, Blundell Park, as Jason said. Yeah, I mean. You don't hear it just at our club. Like you can, you can go all the way to the top. You you look at Arsenal, at Emirates. You look at the new White Hart Lane. Um, a lot of clubs say how a new stadium is so key for sort of long term success um, and finances. And we we've heard it a lot over the years at our club. Um, I guess one of the questions I had coming in, but it, it's slightly changed based on the answer you just gave, is. You know, how do you see the long-term finances of the club, and is a new stadium key to that? And sort of, what are your main ideas behind increasing revenues in the long term and making it a sustainable sort of business? Really, because sort of, I think a lot of football clubs are just so solely focused on new stadium equals five-day-a-week income. Like, do do you see it like that, or in terms of like long-term finances, is is there more to it than that? Maybe I'll start, Andrew, you come into it. So, so, so look, there's um, the sort of the general model is, you know, new stadium, as you say, I mean, commercial revenue utilised more than once every two weeks. And, and that's undoubtedly true, but it's, it's only true if, you, if you're not saddled with debt that you're servicing from that commercial revenue. So, um, you know, I think, I think one of the things we're keen to explore, and we started the conversation with the whole team today, which is, you know, we, 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 we need to look at, how do we how do we re-engage clearly number one with the fans and number two is with all the commercial partners with the club locally and then there's a conversation around you know both Andrew and I's you know the, the people we know in the network that we've got nationally as well so you know you don't you don't you don't you don't need to move mountains to improve the range of commercial revenues in the club and that starts with you know, doing something to get fans to buy season tickets. That's that's the number one thing. That's the number one revenue stream for the club and, and making it attractive and making it look it's entertainment as well. We want to make it we want to make it an enjoyable experience to come and um, and come to you know Blunder Park and get some decent food and a decent drink and you know feel like you're welcome rather than a commodity on on a PL. So that's the first thing. You can then look at enhancing the overall commercial relationships, you know, deep, deeply you know, um, um, you know, historically, it's, it's been important that people like Young support us, and I think we, we we owe a lot of respect for that. I think what we need to do is how do we enhance those relationships, and then think about who else can we bring to the table, right? And I think there's there's, there's just a slight change in attitude. So that's 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 a long way of not really answering your question, Emily. But I think I think you know I'm not convinced if you want to be a Premier League club. And have you know you know hundreds of millions in revenue? And I think pretty obviously commercial offering needs to be you know needs to be at those sort of levels. I think there's a there's an argument to be made for a club at our scale and ambition in the next chapter um, that could be commercially viable if we can you know improve the terms of the existing commercial partners, you know sell more season tickets and, and make the offering more attractive to everybody, um, and then you take a view on it, but. I'm also, you know, what I'm really nervous about as well is that, you know, I lived, I lived in London for 23 years, um, 
I moved, I moved back up north um, for two reasons. One was um, my, my kids were getting Cockney accents and I couldn't face the idea of little Dick Van Dyke and Eliza Doolittle. So I had to get him out of London pretty sharpish. Sorry if anyone, if any Cockney's listening to this, but it's true. And the second thing, my wife told me she's from Manchester, so she's like, we're moving to Manchester and that was kind of the end of that conversation. But but part of it for me is that I had season tickets at Arsenal because we live near it and I got offered them. And I found it a really soulless experience moving from Ivory to the Emirates. And they might be making more money, but it just it just didn't feel like an experience that I wanted or recognised or felt connected to. So and I might be nostalgic for the type of football and the type of community that I care about. But I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks, I, I think there's a really interesting discussion to be had over the next year about what football clubs represent in the community and what type of experience we all want what sense of belonging and community we, we we feel being part of this right and that's not about that's not about money and commercial revenue although we need to make that stack up sorry i'm rambling a little bit as, as i have been today um well i need some, some sugar but andrew is there anything i missed or or i should show up on there no i think i think i think you you've hit it i mean i think to start to start with we've got a bundle park doesn't get filled every week so if you're kind of looking at you know, a sustainable model, there's no, there's no point in moving to a new stadium that uh, you know that effectively still has a, has a similar you know, the capacity is is not is not is not being fulfilled. Menem um, is as a as a as a commercial venue has only been used once a fortnight, so there are there are there's some low hanging fruit if you like that 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 exists, you know, which is to, which is to bring the right bring the fans back, um, bring the bring the you know use 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 the commercial assets that do exist, and and and, and kind of and kind of work it from there. And, and clearly, we want to get it to a situation where it's where the club is sustainable in the long term, without, I guess, without without you know need, needing financial support from from shareholders, you know, over, over time. People often see states. I think stadia, stadia can be seen somewhat as a as a vanity project as well, and, and that's certainly not anything that that either Jason or I recognise as a, 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 as a concept. So, anything we do, we'll look at. We'll have to be. We'll have to stack up stack up financially and we'll have to think about making sure it's got other revenue streams that 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 make that make it work you know we talked about esports venues or other things that that perhaps you know maybe 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 hybrids for this um the other thing i'd, I'd say is is that grimsby is in a in a pretty unique position at the moment in that um it's a beneficiary of a lot of funding from, from the from the town deal and from from the government i mean it's, it goes it goes without noticing that, that you know, it's part of it's part of the it's part of the red wall and um, the government, you know, I think, for political reasons as well as, as well as hopefully for the right, the right reasons, is 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 um, is, is is putting putting a lot of money in Grimsby's direction. So, again, to the extent that we can be part of that and help use that, use that, use that sort of, I guess, unique period of support to uh, to, to to make a difference, then we'll do it. But it's not going to be done to then leave the club in a situation where it's um, unsustainable because that's the, you know, no no one's no one's going to thank us for that. Um, what do you guys think? I'd love to get your views on this. I mean, it's part of what we want to have this conversation, which is, you know, we've heard a lot. Of, what we won't hear is do is promising, over-promising on stuff that we can't deliver. We want to be judged on our day-to-day delivery. But, you know, what, what do you think, Emmy, about, about relocation? Do you, I mean, you're obviously um, all well-versed in what's happening in other clubs. The nostalgia side of me always wants to stay at Plundle Park. Um, I do think sort of, especially from an exile point of view, going home, even little things like seeing the floodlights and all that. And when it is full and when it is sort of in a big moment, like the atmosphere is absolutely brilliant. 
Um, but like, regardless, I think of where we are in the next 10 years, if we stay at Blundell Park, I think it needs some form of development. Like I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but you wonder how long sort of wooden standard main stand can last kind of thing. Um, and as a fan experience, sort of like little things like the drinking facilities, bars and all of that, like I do think it makes difference in terms of income because when we're all together and wanting a drink, where do we go before the game? Like typically, unless it's one quick drink before kickoff, it's going to be in town somewhere. Um, so I think like, I, I don't really have an opinion in terms of new ground or renovating Blundell Park. Like it's whatever makes financial sense to nap from, but from a fan experience, I think something needs to change in terms of just modernization and facilities. I was just going to say, Henry, I think the fan park that the trust are talking about is going to make a difference to that, isn't it? That that offering is going to be, you know, if there's a different experience um, where we can perhaps get more people together than the small bars that we've got now and somewhere that you feel you can go for an hour or two, like you say, before kickoff, not just for a quick pint. I think that's good. That's going to that's going to make a big difference. And, you know, that what the plans that they've got for that look exciting. Uh, that's exactly the point I was going to make. Actually, is is that the fa- the fan zone? I think will 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 make a difference. It'll offer because it's going to open at twelve. Um, it's going to you know have uh, have you know, decent decent um, decent capacity and and a stage. And so there'll, there'll be activity going on. Um, you know, led by uh, the Mar- which the Mariners Trust is 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 driving. So hopefully that will make a difference at least in the short term. Um, and 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 sort of going forward, you know, we want we want to look at. If Blundell Park is the is the future, then clearly it does need investment. Uh, that's something that we'll be uh, you know we'll be considering if you like as a lot alongside all the other options that, that that exist. I think what footballers, what especially within our level, it's taught us that location is key. Um, I don't think many people enjoy going to Colchester from sort of just anecdotal evidence more than anything. I don't think people, but then a very similar design stadium, something like Chesterfield is actually quite well received because it's thoughtfully put together, though it's essentially the same just for Meccano like stands, but is in center of town and is, and is sort of uh, nicely located with some sensible uh, pieces of, uh, of, of, of additional ad, added, added extras as it is. But I guess it's a, it's a it's a massive opportunity for you to to have a look and see what you think will will suit and what would be what would be best. I think most fans are, are quite put off with the idea of an out of town stadium, and I don't think many other stadiums, many other clubs, get an opportunity of a, a location such as Freeman Street, which is I don't think you can get more central to a town town than that. If anything, it brings it closer to them where it was it's as you said it's whether it's financially viable I, I agree with Andrew as well that it doesn't necessarily we don't feel Blundell Park but I think my my only worry is um say for example you've got 6,000 core fans who are interested intent and will go if they can you've then got 2,000 seats left that you can fill and whether or not those seats are going to give the best first impression of the club if you're sat at the end, the back of the main stand, and that's your first impression. It's very evocative for us. Is it necessarily evocative for an 18-year-old, I guess? And I I think you guys are on the right track with that. Um, uh, Yeah, well, Tom, have you got a question? Uh, Actually, no, Ian, you wanted to ask about B Corps because you were beavering away with it over the last couple of weeks. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm going to kind of mix a couple of questions into one, if that's okay, just to give you the opportunity to to sort of take the lead on it a little bit. So the, the B Corporation state is obviously something um, which is going to be unique within football, hopefully, or being well, providing we get there first. And I'm sure with you yourselves at the helm, we will do. So really, I just thought it was an opportunity for you to lay out, um, A, what B Corporation status means to your average fan in kind of in layman's terms. Um, the sorts of things that we're going to have to do to to get there and then not just that but obviously I appreciate that B Corporation is about the wider standing within the community so the kind of benefits that you think that would bring to Grimsby and the surrounding area as a whole rather than just to Grimsby Town Football Club. Yeah so, so maybe I'll pick up Andrew and then so, so I'd, I'd declare hopefully you all know I've got a vested interest in this is that I'm a trustee of B Corp in the UK because I'm a committed time and effort um, and the backdrop of it, and again, without boring you all too much, and you know, hopefully some of you heard some of the other stuff earlier in the day, was, um, you know, there, there's a, the, the capitalism is fractured and, it, and it's grinding to a, a really, really um, interesting inflection point. At an aggregate level, over the last 50 years, it's, it's created wealth and prosperity and an unfortold rate and compared to any other time in history. And yet, and yet it's created a bunch of problems as well around inequality, around globalization not working particularly in western democracies and economies and so you know my, my own personal view and i've spent a lot of time thinking about this because it's been my personal journey as well which is how do you keep the best things about capitalism about personal endeavor around personal ambition around capital flows into the entrepreneurial activity how do you keep the best of that create shareholder returns and then upgrade it for its next stage of its journey around you know what we've lost a little bit and there's loads to, and again I'm, again happy to have another conversation that's what i'm doing at oxford at the moment around there's a lot of data and evidence now that that um we've lost a lot of our civic institutions we've lost a lot of our uh, the, the problems of trickle down economics have been proven to be wrong even joe biden tweeted about that last week you know the, the leader of the most capitalist country in the world is saying trickle down economics don't work then you can believe it doesn't work um and then the other thing is just just as you look around your own lives, we're seeing you know, what happened with Brexit and what happened to our politics just tells a story about um, there's a disconnect. And so I'm a massive believer in, in business as a force for good, as a pl- building places of wealth, prosperity, purpose, belonging. And, and, and how you can do that, you take the best bits of capitalism, which is, you know, all that stuff about returns on capital and getting market dynamics to, to fund the right projects and entrepreneur activity and then you just add stuff to it which is the stuff that's so obvious to me which is make make it make directors accountable not only for shareholder returns which is current company law but also make them accountable for guess what treating their employees correctly paying a fair wage looking after the environment you know, making sure they build inclusive and diverse organisations. All the problems we've got in society. How can business be a part of the solution as opposed to creating greater wealth inequality, poverty, which is obscene that we've seen in the last 18 months right off the back of, you know, COVID. To see people hungry in this country is an absolute abomination. And I think when you've got billionaires sat, you know, in tax-dodging places on islands, wherever around the world, it's just... It's not what business was, the purpose of business. Actually, I said I won't go into a rant, but, you know, Adam Smith in the 1700s, you know, was a moral philosopher. So economists talk about him as the guy that thought about business and, you know, and the, the response to a capitalist endeavours. But actually, he was a moral philosopher. He talked about business as the way in which we could become better people on the tradition of Aristotle. So, um, so B Corp, 
to your original question it was it's about it's, it's the it's a legal framework that means that companies that sign up for it directors so andrew and i christine dave philip um we're now legally obligated to in our decisions consider both shareholders the environment the society at large our community and stuff and so so, so, and actually, I'm also campaigning at the moment for changing the law. I'm working with people in Parliament to, to see if we can change company law. So B Corp is the default for when you set up a company. And what that means in practice is we now, we've committed to that in the articles. So we're legally on the hook. And then there's an audit process that we have to go through now. And, um, you know, I'm going to lead on that with, uh, with Sam Strand in the, in the, in, in the organisation. And then a, a colleague I've worked with historically, who's a lawyer um, based down south, who's going to take us through the process, which means it's an audit where we get, we, get, we get points based on how well we're doing on all of those variables. And then we'll do badly, I'll tell you that now. But what you do is you create a bad baseline and then you've got a strategy of you go, well, actually, in the business I've been involved with before, you go, oh, we're pretty good on employee welfare. We might be terrible on our green credentials. So we'll then spend a year trying to improve our green credentials. We give you a framework over the long term to keep improving your organisation. Sorry, I, I, I got a bit ranty there about capitalism and I can't believe I've dropped Adam Smith into, I'm trying, I'm trying to make, have a conversation that's light and engaging. I've dropped fucking 18th century philosophers into it straight away. Apologies, I can't help myself with that. You're suggesting that you weren't talking about the form the youth team coach there then, sorry, Jason. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless it's a long lineage back to Scottish philosophers, probably not Ian, but um, I don't know. The current Adam Smith, so I reserve judgment on that. Is as that, as, that as makes his, sense. Yeah, as his former neighbour, he is a lovely guy. Uh, he's the he's the reason I'm here. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have had a clue what that yellow shirt he had stuck behind his bed was uh, on the wall. The old '93 Town Away shirt. Henry, what were you going to say? <laughs> um, just really following on from the the B Corp discussion and sort of what what was discussed in the shareholder meeting today um, as a large shareholder myself of, of one whole share. Um, what does the, what does the transition from a public company to a, a private company sort of mean in real terms? Like, is there any difference? So the, 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 the main, the main change is that um, uh, you lose the right. If somebody makes a bid for more than 29.9% of the shares to have the right to match that, have the right to, to sell at that point at the same price um, but what we've introduced into the articles is something called a tag-along right which basically means that if either Jason or I decide or, or our, our company decides to sell we can't just sell and and, and leave the, sh the remaining shareholders in limbo um, we have to arrange for for those shareholders that want to tag along to, to, to tag along at the same price that we sell for so so actually from a practical perspective there's no, there's no going forward. There's no real legal difference between being a PLC and being a private limited company. Um, and, and I say we have the additional bells and whistles of of the um, of, of of the B Corp, and uh, but also um, but also getting rid of some of frankly the very old world fashion old fashioned articles that uh, okay I think it's quite a, you know quite a typical um, reflection on on on, on the uh, on, on on what we found in the club. I just have to build on that as well, Henry. So, so it, you know, it's ridiculous, quite frankly, that a business of this size is a public company, just in terms of the bureaucracy and the admin and the legal process. 
that you have to go through with public companies is just it just doesn't justify the scale. So I think what you normally solve for is is a governance structure that has you know is open and transparent. That's what public companies can do. And we're going to do that stuff anyway. Um, and then changing the articles on on listed companies is quite difficult. So this has allowed us a to do the transaction uh, and b sets us up to be able to. To, to, to make better decisions, quicker decisions without having to go through the public process and change the article to the commitment to be a B Corps during the process as well. But it was really about, you know, it just it just doesn't make sense. You end up in weeks of bureaucracies listed. We were getting treated exactly the same way that Marks and Spencers would have been treated in a transaction, both with legal um, oversight in terms of cost of doing the deal. And it was costing us a lot of money and we're like, this doesn't make any sense. So when, when Tom stepped out, the quickest way of doing this deal and to do the things we wanted to do in terms of the articles for B Corps was to take it private. And it just sets us up to be a lot easier um, to make decisions in the future. Our portfolio is a safe memory. I think that's what the answer was. <laughs> Don't be putting deposits down on those islands in the Caribbean I mentioned just yet, but... Um, oh, that, that and Dogecoin leads to a very strong portfolio is what I'm hearing. Like you, can, you, yeah. you can buy your hail sand fort and that's it. Yeah, we will be. Um, yeah, we'll be doing um, you know a, a, a public offering around the new cryptocurrency GTFC coin um, as a result of this, Henry. So we'll look forward to piling in that as well, the same magnitude. Um, uh, Tom's got a question. You go, Tom, and then then I'll go again. Uh, I was listening to your interview um, earlier on uh, BBC Radio Umberside, um, and uh, Andrew, you said that. Uh, supporting Grimsby or being from Grimsby is part of what defines you. And Jason, you said uh, investing in Grimsby Town is a terrible idea as an investor, uh, an amazing idea as a fan, which uh, pleases me greatly as a quote. Uh, I was just wondering, just to sort of tone down the seriousness of the chat, what both attracts you to football as a sport and what has, has made you become fans over the years? I, you know, I, I love football because I think it just um, it encompasses so much of society in, in, in an ideal world. You know, a, a football club for me, even if somebody doesn't make it at Grimsby Town, if they've come through the youth team, um, they've learned from like getting maybe to youth team level that dedication, commitment, hard work are all skills that you can transfer into other areas of life. And I was just wondering sort of how you view football generally uh, as people and why, why that sort of love for the game has driven you to invest in your hometown club. Maybe I'll start, Jason, and let you kind of fill in, but yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great question. And you know, football is our national game. At the end of the day, uh, it's something that we we've all we've all grown we've all grown up with. We've all we've all loved in you know in in in, in different ways. Grim, Grimsby, you know, was the first team I was taken to see by you know by, by my dad, and you know that's that 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 you know, that will stay that will stay with me for you know, forever forever in that respect. Yeah, and there's that for me. It's that as we talked about quite extensively today. It's that link between the community and 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 the club that, that that's key you've got you've got a you know it's part of it is part of the identity it is part of you know what you are if, you, if you're if you're from um uh if you're from from a place that doesn't have a, a you know a, a well-known um you know, football club 
then then it's a slightly, it's a slightly you're in a slightly different um, you're in a slightly, you're in a slightly different place. I think it, it sort of self reinforces the identity of, um, of 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 yourself by um, by being there by 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 support by support by supporting football. Um, and and as I say, when you know when when sort of out and about in in the world, the, I, I love nothing more. Like like Henry was saying, in terms of you know getting getting um, getting you know, getting hassled by people when he's when he's dogging in uh, Guildford, um, you know, the, having having the um, you know, having having you know, meeting meeting a fellow town fan. I mean, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell a little story um, which maybe maybe sums it up. Um, I was I was I was going to um, I was going to the Palace game uh, with my son. Who's an economics student at, um, at Nottingham University? He's doing his finals this year, and I was taking him along, and and we were walking along Marylebone High Street in London on our way to on our way to the Palace game, and I saw a guy called Norman Lamont, who um, was as you all know used to be Chancellor of the Exchequer, Conservative Chancellor of the Exchequer, but I knew quite weirdly that he was a Grimsby Town fan, uh, and so I uh, I actually very unlikely I, I shouted out in the street. Hey Norman, and uh, he didn't turn around. Then, I, but then I tried again, and and he did. And and I brought my son along and introduced us to. I said, "Look, you don't know me." Uh, I told him who I was, and and this is my son. He's an economic student. And I told him that Norman used to be the chancellor of the Exchequer. And then I said to him, "So, why aren't you going to the town game?" He said, "Oh, I couldn't get a ticket. Um, you haven't got a spare one, have you?" And and so so we 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 ended up entering into a really really nice chat about um about 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 football and everything else. Anyway, we we, we parted company. And then a, a, a few weeks ago, I was I was having breakfast with someone in London, who also is a, is a town exile, and we, we were chatting away about uh, about about the club. And I, I told him I told him a little bit of the same story. And he said because he mentioned he knew Norman Lamont. So I said, and I told him my little story. And he said. Norman tells that story um, about how he got accosted by these two Grimsby Town fans as a sign of sort of, you know, how Grimsby is, is sort of so, you know, so, how the fans are so passionate. So it's just quite weird how that connection, that connection can, 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 can happen and how you, how you are, I guess, identified by your, um, by, by your club affiliation. Norman Lamont's a town yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah, exclusive revelation. Yes, you don't know that. Yeah, he's deeply connected to the. He's on the board of the um, Grimsby Town deal. You know all the stuff about regeneration. He's on. He's on that board as well. So he's a local, local guy committed to the area. So I can't follow that anecdote. But um, you know, and you said you wanted to take down the seriousness of the conversation, Tom. So I'll, I'll apologies. But there's um, you might have seen there's a quote that um. I put on Twitter a while ago. I'm always there's a great football called what we a uh, great book called what we think about football by a philosopher called Simon Critchley. Worth a read, read. But he talks about um, I, I won't do the quote just but something like you know what the reason that football is important is because of the the experience of association and the sense of community that it creates or vivid sense of community something like that. And I just think that that's it for me. It's like there's um, you know, I think I've rambled on about it a little bit earlier, but the idea that there are there are gaps in our society in places, in places that we can go, you know, from wherever you whatever you do in your professional life or whatever your you know your background, or there's 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 ninety minutes and probably an hour either side of a game, you know, every week where everyone's equal. There's something about that 
that's really powerful to me about what it represents in a in a society where people have sort of you know in, in many ways started by identified by their politics or whatever and i'm like actually there's more that binds us than doesn't and i think there's, there's something about the thought what what in a grandiose word i know it sounds a bit, a bit like that but what what they what those couple of hours a week can represent for us all and you look at it in the back of covid right it's like we've all, i've been listening to you guys all year you know i have exactly the same sensation which is my week in lockdown we were completely geared around how closer we to saturday and you know going on on friday night seeing a bit of twitter activity and just feeling like we're connected in some way irrespective of our background our age you know or whatever there's a there's, there's a theme that binds it all and i think i think people are, people miss and miss are missing that in their lives in many ways so that that, that quote that simon quitsley quote about the, the association at its heart of what football represents i'm sure the sports have it i just don't i don't connect in that way with other sports but um i think there's something profound about that um so that 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 for me it, you know I, i'm sorry that wasn't the levity that was required in that moment but it, it actually actually does it does move me and, I, and i'll just say one more quick thing which is there's a great book by a philosopher called robert putnam written last year called the upswing and he talks about one of the reasons capitalism worked for 100 years was that we had these civic institutions and it was you know whether it was the rotary or whether it was the women's institute or whether it was church or whatever and actually for the last 30 years all those things have been dismantled and so I read that book and I've been thinking about regeneration and thinking about the time I was like, yeah, but the one thing that's endured and the one thing that is still potent is football clubs. And I was like, what if, and me and Andrew talked, you know, I nauseam him about this. What if we could be part of, you know, opening the doors of this club again to connect us in the things that bind that feeling of association and use that as a to fill the gaps in people's lives and people's hearts and people's ambitions and aspiration. I'm like, that's the opportunity, right? Because it's all there. It just we just haven't been we've been looking in a different direction, haven't we, for a while? So, you know, I've sorry, I have I've noticed I'm 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 not being much fun for the party today, but um that's the consequences. No, that, that, was, was uh, that was a fantastic answer, and I sincerely hope as a program contributor that uh when the program is back up on sale again that these literary recommendations are included in the chairman's <laughs> notes because uh I'm gonna look forward to that immensely. I can't I, I agree Tom that's gonna be brilliant. The only the only Speaking of sort of um, connections down south, I mean, Guildford is one of them, dogging aside, uh, getting uh, someone manically beeping at me outside the train station. I never wear a town shirt apart from this one day. And this woman is manically beating it. And I sort of front up, go, what am I doing wrong? I'm walking. And she's there. She's like trying to hide. She grabs under the footwell and like pointing at some fluffy town dice that have obviously sort of been gathering dust underneath the seat. And she sort of accidentally lurches forward by letting go of the clutch straight at me. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I, well, I guess we should really. So, Henry, what did you want to say? Sorry, uh, just just leading on from, from Jason. Um I feel like we were all glued to Twitter to see the status of your, your hoodie towards the end of the season. Um, so I do understand what you're saying. Um, this summer going forward is obviously really quite important for the club. And I guess sort of you, you touch upon fan engagement a lot. And um, do you have any set ideas as how you want to re-engage the fans? Like 
what are your plans to do so? And, you know, Joe Biden obviously talks about first hundred days in office. Like what are your guys first hundred day plan? And when we get to the end of this summer and we're back into the non-league season, like when you look back, what would you view as a successful summer? So, so, so for me, and again, that hoodie, by the way, people got the wrong end of the stick. Like I was wearing it nonstop, um, ended up looking like compo from last of the summer wine. I've been worn it. I was, I was just taking off and putting it back in a drawer. So it didn't, it didn't get as bad as, they're comfy, by the way, those, those hoodies, as you, as you can tell. But um, I, I, you know, of course, we've committed to the infrastructure change. We've committed to making a dent in the culture and getting started on that. Committed to giving Paul the, the budget in the league to get going. Um, but the, the fun one is, it's, I'm going to throw it back to you again. Amy. So we're going to start, there's a survey going out. I think it's tomorrow. We've worked with a company called the Fan Experience Company, which are the sort of market leaders in running this stuff. So that'll go out in the next day or so, I think. But that's an opportunity for everyone to, to chip in and say what they want to see. And then and then part of that will be what, what do people want? You know, we'll we'll show up and put in the hours as people need as a conversation. But you know, hopefully tonight is an indication that, you know, we want to have this, we want to, we want to go on this journey with everyone. So, so um, yeah, it's, it's what people want, whether it's forums a month or whether we just turn up and do a podcast with you guys every month or whether you know, transforming the ground or it's, it's what, what's useful, to be honest. So at the moment, we start with a survey to signal intent. That'll create an action plan this fan experience company is going to build for us. And there'll be loads of stuff we can win. And then, yeah, it's, what would you like to see, I guess, is, is part of the question. I mean, <laughs> again. I've let you in onto a private joke there. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm quite an badge. avid Grimsby Town uh, pin badge collector. Uh, and we had uh, an extensive debate on the validity of pin badges um, before you came online. Andrew, is that, can you confirm that the, the pin badges are on the 100-day plan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got we've got a we've got a whole a whole design team putting them together. Uh, so you know, so you'll you'll ha- you have a whole a whole new a whole new uh, a whole new set of badges to collect on. Just for the record, uh, would you wear would you wear a pin on a lapel or on a cap? Just I've actually got a pin badge on now. Uh, you, know, you can't see it, but it's a Grimsby Town one. Um, Why do you want another one then? Oh, the I need them all. <laughs> Are we just getting an insight into Thomas's life and his priorities there? Just yeah. yeah. Well, well, there's millions to make there. <laughs> don't, don't dig too deep. <laughs> was, that, was that a cry for help? <laughs> I, I guess from from oh. from my perspective, just on the the whole fan engagement thing, like. And I know it's important that as fans and everyone that we don't look back, but I think one of the difficult things over the last few years, and I think Paul said it himself in interviews, is you look at the club and you just look at the state. You you just look at the state of it and it just makes you sad. And I guess for me, fan engagement comes easily when you just start seeing positive news things and you can get a bit of pride back into the club. You know, I mean, little things like they're training with actual footballs and not misshapen ones. Like the fact that that story came out and we weren't surprised by it kind of sums up where the club is. And just getting a bit of professionalism and pride back into the place, I think we'll soon get the fans. Well, I mean, the fans are already going to be back on board, to be honest, because it's a new start and it's post-COVID. And I really do think 
sort of after the summer if we're all allowed back in grounds that you know I, I think we'll all come back in numbers to be perfectly honest but from my own personal perspective like if I'm bringing friends who've never been to Grimsby who I you know because they know how much I love the club like if I if I want to bring them to a game like going to Blundell Park sometimes it's embarrassing because there's like tatty old barbed wire everywhere and you stood in some dirty little corner having a pint like this and they're like how do you enjoy this and so yeah for me it's just anything to build on that and to 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 build the club in a positive light and i think i think you'll be in the right direction well hopefully hopefully um the, the, the fan the fan zone will will help in that respect I mean, that's something that that you know the mariners trust is is driving forward and we're, we're very very supportive of um but it's it, and to answer your, to answer the question before about the hundred day plan. No, it is. It, there, there is a hundred day plan. It's not. It's not just a. Uh, there, there, we, we do. We do have the. We do have document. Um, and and and. It, but it. But it is. It kind of. In, it's indicative of the approach we're taking. We want. We want the club to progress every day. We want the cl- club to make incremental improvements. As Jason said, that starts with the culture. That starts with getting the getting the right the right approach um, from. From the staff, having staff, having the t- a team, a team that is high performance, not just in, not just on the pitch, but in terms of the support for Paul and the and the guys on 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 the pitch. So it's a it's a very um, you know this 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 if like policy of constant improvement. You you guys will be very familiar with with Dave Brailsford and his his approach to the British cycling team in terms of making lots of small incremental improvements to different aspects of. The design of the bike, the nutrition of the people of their, of their team, the the aerodynamics, the helmet, the the um, the, 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 the the training regimes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All that, all that's things that we want to we want to uh, we want to encourage. I'm enjoying the Dave Brailsford um, comment as a long-standing cycling fan. Although in the current circumstances, it's probably quite a controversial reference. Um. Just touching on what you're saying there, you mentioned that you'd like to have a conversation around fan ownership. Um, do you think that long-term fan ownership is a model that can people that people can aspire to, or do you think it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, always going to be a combination of private uh, investment with fan involvement on a on a lower level? before we move on to fan questions. Did I say that, Andrew? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, look, I think, I think what we stated earlier today, which is I'm open-minded. I mean, we're, we know that our time here is finite in, a, in, every, in every sense. So, so, so look, we, we think that um, a great transition would be if we can find a way of more fan ownership or more fan, fan participation in the running of the club, um, I'm totally open mind. The German model seems to work. The 50 plus one. Uh, I don't know enough about the models at Exeter, and you know, um, we've got actually. I'm speaking to the guy that, um, at um, Wimbledon. You know, they seem to have a successful model there. Um, so I think it can work. Can it work at the higher echelons? I don't know. Um, I'd love being being you know, but, but without any data and without any input, I'd love to find a way that the fan owns the club. You know the next chapter as we move on that it goes into fan hands i guess the questions are you know how do you you know in, in an escalating escalating wage structure you know so many people bet on promotion or bet on commercial revenue and i think one of the, what you could do is got to make sure that 
you know, if you hand it over to fans and all of a sudden you look at a massive loss, a massive loss by our means is, you know, one, two million quid, which is what we're going to have to stand behind if we have some rotten seasons over the next couple of years. That's non-trivial amounts of money, right? And, and you know, and we, we, we recognise that, look, I grew up skin and I know what it's like to be skin and much as I love the club, you know, you just can't ask some people to dip their hands in the pockets every time that you don't get the run, you know, the, of look that the football club needs as well to be successful. So that's the one for me. I just don't, I, I don't know how you solve that. Um, now, you know, but there are clubs that are doing it, at, you know, at sort of lower league level. So I think the question, the more interesting question, I think for me over the next couple of years, which is, you know, what's, what's the opportunity the Super League fiasco shows up? What's the you know what's the government intervention on how we make you know football at our level sustainable, more inclusive, more more participatory for fans as well? So I think I think a combination of if you can get some rules around you know financial boundaries so people know what they're operating within. I mean the salary caps and stuff I think are a good idea in principle. You want to make sure players are paid well for what they do, but you know when you've got people you know that are just prepared to fund losses and again and again. But, you know, sometimes vanity projects, then that's difficult. Everyone else has to compete with that. Um, so I think some regulation changes will be interesting, but there's definitely a change in the mood music, right? There's, a, there's an initiative called Fair Game we've been approached by by the Wimbledon guys. They've got a website that went live the other day. The guy running it is, um, um, he's, he runs the um, PI Amnesty International, his day job. And they're really campaigning for, you know, a change in, in fan participation and regulation. So we're chatting to them about whether there's a cohort of, com- of, um, of, of a sort of coalition of the willing cohort of, of football clubs that want to get involved with that. So it, it's interesting, but I think there's a lot of open questions about, you know, there are external variables and forces that, that make it a challenging model, but if you get the right regulatory framework and some of the conditions and boundaries of financial prudence, then it could work, but it's going to need that as well, rather than just go in, hand it over to the fans and, and just you know, sit down and pray every time you have a bad run. Um, I'm, I'm very aware that everyone is in a comfy, nice little house, apart from Andrew, who's who's in a, a darkening lay-by, whose clientele might change very shortly. Uh, <laughs> um, not that apparently I am experiencing that, but obviously in Guildford, dogging isn't really a thing. They've all got their own estates, and it's all pampas grass up here. Um, <laughs> Um, in terms of um, is a pampas of... grass is that a real thing? Is it? Is that an urban myth? Oh, very that? sorry. Yeah, is absolutely. Is, is it a real thing? Is that apparently so? We can't afford it. Um, <laughs> and in terms of um, sort of the fan engagement, I think we've we've touched on quite a few of the questions. One question that um, the only anonymous question that I let through was one from someone who said, "My mum says, can you please change the name of the kiosk from Mariner's Kitchens to Mariner's Galleys because it makes." perfect sense there's your one percent probably probably <laughs> is, the, is the answer that if that's if that's if that's gonna get people a, in the granite happy we'll put that on the 100 day plan with the pins next to the pins there's, there's your incremental gain <laughs> exactly. that could be it for tomorrow andrew we'll deal with that that could be the one for tomorrow we just find one out the, um yeah sorry alex you go i'll just uh, just the terrible news that jason's found to have been fallen off a stepladder painting the word galley on a wooden sign somewhere in the ground <laughs> so um one of the one of the most popular fan questions we got asked was from daniel rouse and it is something that i'm i'm interested in as well um 
do you plan on doing sort of the day-to-day stuff yourself or are you bringing in a CEO sort of type person to, to manage the day-to-day operations to sort of put forward the plan? Yeah, um, don't know yet is the honest answer. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, Andrew and I are committed into doing the work in the near term. Actually, uh, when we started talking a year ago, we were both going to do this as arm's length investment. And we said, look, um, what we'll do is, is we'll, we'll put the money in and we'll put the infrastructure around that and sort of sit back, yeah, hopefully in the Findus and enjoy enjoy the ride. And actually, the more we looked at it, we're like, actually, it's about culture. I've just spent the last 20 years banging on and thinking about culture and the driving, you know, it, it, most important thing about running organisations. So I'm like, look, I, I know what I'm doing in this area. I know what good looks like. You know, you then look at the property. We've got to find a new training ground. We've got to think about, you know, that's where Andrew spent the last 20 years of his career. So we're like, look, we're going to have to get, get roll our sleeves up and get amongst it because there's no way, you know, we can delegate this when actually we've got the skills and the capabilities. So um, I think over time, you know, there's bits of it when, when you know, you know, the, the fact that, um, you know, we've got other stuff that we do with our day jobs, you know, as well, and, and time we spend elsewhere. But we're, we're prepared to put a shift in in the short term. Um, we, you know, we talked to the whole staff and team today and said, look, um, close a chapter. Historically, we start a new one today. And there's going to be different behaviour, you'll see from us. I mean, we're informal. You know, people have made this mistake about me through my whole career. I'm really informal and you know, I, like to, I, like, I like people. I like, I like being authentic, but I'm really driven. I'm ambitious. I have high standards. I'm, you know, I'm keen to drive myself on, let alone other people. So, you know, that won't suit some people. That, you know, so, so, and, you know, also there'll be a chance we want to invest and bring new talent into the business and organisation. So, I'm not dead to dodging the question. I'm I'm going to commit it in the near term, and also look, we want to give everyone that's in the organisation a chance because you know they 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 they've been living within a certain culture, and again, I'm not going to say anything about that, positive or negative. People can make their own minds about that, and what we're going to bring is something different, and and, and people might respond to that as well, and people deserve a chance. Um, you know, there's no doubt people are committed to the organisation. Um, question is, you know. Do they, do they want to do they want to go on a learning journey themselves and drive their performance so um so you know number one part is getting getting Paul supported um, which mark is helping us with and then the next couple of months once we've got hands around the organization and where the gaps are we'll make some longer term longer term commitments given your um your, your closeness to this in terms of sort of uh, uh mergers and acquisitions and such you're not necessarily got an overview of as such as you would do of of Grimsby Town. You, you'd very rarely go into a company where you have such a deep-rooted history and know, know it so personally. Are you surprised or, or disappointed in terms of your general thoughts before you went in? Are you Is there more work to do or is there less, what your initial thoughts were? I think, I think, our, I think it's a bit, a bit of a mixed story. Um, there, there are there are some elements that that uh, have been nice surprises and some elements that have been less 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 nice surprises um i think universally we've we felt you know never having been down to cheapside before obviously heard of it and seen lots of interviews from there never actually been there um we realized that there was a lot of work to be done on the training ground side um you know seeing the the conditions in which the in which the staff the staff that you know, our, our our management and our staff work just isn't isn't professional uh, as a, as, as a, you know, it certainly isn't long-term sustainable. So that's why that's why the training ground went quite quickly up up the priority list. On the on the sort of the plus side, some things which we were pleasantly surprised about, which had been again not 
not necessarily heavily publicised, um, is the work that, that Graham Roger and the and the and the and the and the, and the, and the trust and the charity charitable trust do. And you know, we had no idea a lot of that work was happening. It's not publicised. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's just. It just happens in the background. I had no idea that people were getting degrees in degrees in football management from 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 you know based based at Grimsby Town Football Club. I mean, it's just just you know, it, it was it was a great surprise. So, I think the answer to the question is probably on the on the on the overall side. There's more work to do than we thought originally, but uh, but actually, it's not just. It's not all. It's not all more work. There's there's actually some some really some really interesting unpolished diamonds that we can we can take advantage of, I think, as, you know, as, as, a, as a community and as a community club in the future. And to, to build on that, we've had some, it's been a wonderful response of, you know, and I think this is the untapped potential of the club, right? That we've had fans from around the world and in Grimsby getting in touch with us saying, look, um, this is my background. Um, can I help with this? And, you know, we've got, you know, some wonderful things that we're going to engage with over the next couple of months. So people who've got amazing skills and backgrounds and commitment all over the world, that now want to step in and, and 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 you know and help with this stuff as well. So I'm convinced we're sitting on a bunch of untapped potential and capability in the fan base that can really move the club on right. So we're open to that. So you know I think that's been the, that's been a really you know um, edifying and validating thing about this experience has been you know not notwithstanding a couple of you know a couple of anonymous trolls on on Twitter or whether. You know, which which you know, trying to ignore. Most of it is people saying, "Look, I love the club, want to help," and so uh, we need, we need to create a vehicle for people to be able to do that. And that's been that's been that's been that's been you know, a real source of um, a positive energy. If you need it, if you need any new wheat varieties, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just following on from that, um, John C asked, "How will dropping out of the football league affect the academy?" And I guess that is rings true for any of your other plans with the club. Like, do, does that relegation alter any any of this going forward? No, I mean, I'm, I'm meeting with Neil Woods in the morning. We've met him historically during the process, but I'm going to spend a bit of time with Neil tomorrow morning. He's um, he's clearly done, you know, um, a really good job um, with with the sort of the, the academy that we've got there and the infrastructure that we've got. So, um, short answer is we want to build on that. I mean. You know, one, one of the things we're really keen to see as fans again is that you know there's something there's something really different about seeing someone from the town pull on that shirt and put a shift in. You know, and over the years, you know, we had more of that, and you know, there's, there's obviously a few lads today. So you know, I think there's something magical about you know having that as as a as a route of aspiration for kids in the town, and also you know to raise sort of pride. So you know, for us, it's a big part of what we want to do. Um, you know, and, and, and I'll know next time we talk, I might know a bit more about it, having chatted to Neil about what his plans are and what he wants to do. But again, short answer is, you know, we're keen to build on that and, and see more more local kids pull on pull on the black and white as professionals over, over the next few years. I think, I, I, I absolutely. And uh, I think for Andrew's safety alone, we sadly need to sort of wrap, wrap it up. Um because uh, he's got a long journey ahead of him. You've got, what, two hours left, I imagine? Two and a half? Uh, yeah, about two and a half, but I'll, I'll be fine. Don't worry. You can, can, please carry on. If, if, if people have got questions, we're happy to. We're happy to uh, there was a hundred... I see Tom's got... 
There was 196 got, of them. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, well you've, done, you've done incredibly well to synthesize them so far. Then. <laughs> well, one was um, what um, Chris Kirk was going to ask uh, that you were still, um, he remembers you from playing cricket at Grimsby Town and what's your batting average nowadays? Well, actually, having a, having a son who's 20 a few years ago, I did, I did come out of retirement, uh, not having played since I used to play for Grimsby Town Cricket, cricket Club uh, back when I was sort of 18. Um, my average this season, I, I hate to say, is one. Having 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 had, had one innings and and uh, being being a victim of a ridiculously uh, uh, spectacular uh, catch behind on 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 Sunday last week. Well, it's, it depends on how many balls you face. Though was it? A, it I'm, I'm imagining it was a, a triumphant last wicket stand for the for the draw. No, unfortunately, not. I was opening. But, uh, <laughs> I've. I've got one last question that I feel is quite apt to end on that we were discussing before before you guys came on, actually. Jason Jackson asked, the fans are begging for a pre-season IB for again. Can we have that? <laughs> if not IB for at least Eastern Europe, I think was the general consensus. Well, actually, one of Paul's requests is, believe it or not, unlike last season, is to have a proper pre-season. Um, and and that and that does include um, the potential for, the potential for an overseas trip, but but that will I think depend on on COVID and COVID restrictions and so on. But certainly, what we can say is that the, the club is going to be having a uh, a proper preseason uh, preseason, even if it's in the UK this year. I just want to make sure that we don't give people the false message there, though that there isn't going to be like a. A week-long bender in Ibiza as the as the pre-season tour, we, you know the, the idea is to get the team uh, ready. But um, we'll do not for the, not for the players anyway. Only Gallimore has <laughs> left the chat. <laughs> yeah, but, um, no, look, it would be it'd, it'd be great so as we go through the next couple of months is, is getting getting fans, you know, back together and getting that community spirit going again in pre-season, you know, as well as um, as well as as we go into the next season. But you know. Um, I'm pretty sure it won't be Ibiza, but you know, again, we're open to suggestions. If people think that I'm wrong on that, and it, it will be a good idea, I haven't been there since the '90s, and I left a little bit of me there back then. I don't probably don't want to re- revisit that either. Can we still get in touch with Ivano Benetti? See if you can arrange something to Italy for us, just to appease John McDermott. Yeah, it always sounds a bit more civilized, doesn't it? Gag and a, a good old 1830 weekend. I can endorse that as a as a. a, a None a, of us are getting on it, Tom. Who, who, who can get to, is, is it 18 plus 30 or <laughs> that just that one? Oh, I don't. I, I don't think I could manage a pre-season tour in Eastern Europe at the moment. <laughs> what was the um, uh, uh, Tom? Did you see any decent ones that you would like to ask as well? Um, well, I just sort of wanted to ask if the uh, either Andrew or Jason had sort of before they came in um, had seen any football club or you know board that has sort of influenced or inspired or impressed them. You know, it's been lovely. It's actually, you know, it's, it's interesting when we started talking about doing this. Is you go into your network and ask people who are involved with football clubs, and there, there's a, there's a core of, of, of sort of like-minded um, investors and owners that we've been put in touch with, actually, that are very similar values right through to, I mean, I won't name names, could be discreet, maybe in private we can do that, but it's, um, you know, one in the Premier League or ex-Premier League 
uh, and a number through all the divisions and stuff that really uh, uh you know are aligned in what we, what we want to do collectively so um you know but there's um you know uh, around the division i don't, don't think we mind saying andrew knows people at, at bolton pretty well and had a good chat to dale vince at forest green um he's got some interesting ideas and stuff so you know um there's no one's cracked it i would say but there's, there's a lot of good people with interesting ideas i think that we can learn from um and 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 quite frankly pinch if, if they're successful so um probably as much as we should say right now but there's the, some good ones out there i guess is the punchline can we have meat in our burger so please you're talking to 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 andrew pettit son of the most famous butcher in the town over the last the last oh, that's all right then. That's, that's okay that's okay thank <laughs> yeah. you no i i think i think one thing one thing i can i can say is that um uh we are we are working on a uh on, on a relaunch of the Pettit sausage and so so that, that that's something that may even even get uh revealed at uh, revealed at Blundell Park at some point so. that's a scoop you've got a scoop there well my uh my old man used to work at Pettit's and that was his sole job so he is already keen and ready don't you worry about that Andrew if you need that he's probably still got it locked up here <laughs> Well, we've we've actually we've actually made some made some uh, made some uh, some 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 samples and uh, they're 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 tasting pretty good. So watch this space. Following on from that, uh, fan question: I can't remember who it's from, but will we also get some fish and chips at Rundle Park? That's, that, again, that's that's one of the one of the things in the in the fan survey that we want people to uh, engage on is is sort of their their, their food and. And 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 beverage um, requirements, and so fish and chips has been a always been a popular discussion. We ha- we actually had fish finger sandwiches or some something someone suggested it uh, on one of the, on one of the phone-ins today. So um, no, we're we're open we're open to ideas. I mean, clearly there's a practical there's a practical thing in terms of the preparation of the food, um, which we need to think about. But but you know we're we're committed to improving the the food offering at, at the club, which frankly has been you know disappointing. Yeah, well, I, do, I, I do find it odd though that, that, like in a town, you know, which which we all know is renowned for having some of the best fish and chips in the world, that people want all those options in the town, and then for those two hours on a Saturday afternoon to eat fish and chips, it's like you know, just it would, you'd think there were other options, wouldn't you, that you might want to try? But but look, we'll listen, we'll listen to the fans. Maybe I'm out. Of I eat it every time I come. It's all I eat. To, I had to it today be, for my lunch. So to be honest, Jason, so long as when I go to the lower fenders, I don't have to eat a Chessy burger, then I'm going to be all right with that. <laughs> the, the bar has been set pretty, pretty low, hasn't it? But, yeah, um... pretty low. Alex, you got any more questions? No, I'm I'm fine. I I'm genuinely Andrew's got two hours to go, and he's in the he's in the pitch black, and I want to talk for hours, but the poor guy. <laughs> I can't even see his well, face anymore. <laughs> well, well, Alex, why don't why if you're open, why don't we do this? Why don't we why don't we set up a time maybe in a month from now and do this again? Let's just keep the conversation going. Not that we're trying to jam ourselves into your your dialogue. But if you want to do that, maybe oh. maybe that's what we do. So, so Andrew, Andrew, you know, can can call and drive in and come out of the dark. We're not all culpable um, from getting getting to where he needs to get to at four in the morning tomorrow. Um, maybe that maybe that's an opportunity for us to, to reconnect and, and pick up some of the other questions and and, and see, see see how we get on in the first month. Alex, we can always uh, we can always bring Jason on with Joe Waters. Yes. Oh, I don't. I won't be able to speak. I just have to. Oh, we've got that. We've got that problem with Alex <laughs> and Alan Powen. Yeah. But now we've got we've got Joe lined up soon for a, one of our interviews. Mr. Newton's got Ford on the uh, phone as well. 
Oh, amazing. Yeah, look, that would be what a, what a podcast that would be, right? We had Tony for what a, what a legend. And um, yeah, Joe, you know, you've made me rhapsodize about it today. I think, I think you know, I, you, know you can, you can, you can, um, you know, read this stuff, but in my mind, he epitomizes everything about what you want as a player at this club. But um, I'm also aware that. You know, Andrew's, you know, references to CFAX and the World Services today. There's a lot of younger people that will be Googling Joe Waters. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, I can't go on that podcast. No way, I won't be able to speak. Who, who in the last, <laughs> eight, shall we say, in the last 20 years has been the the closest to, to those? Obviously, Alan Poughton is the obvious answer. But other than that, <laughs> who would you say that you've enjoyed most watching? Macca, Macca, clearly. You know, you know, having having stayed having stayed at the club for ten years, um, you know, seen us down the national league, brought us back up to the league. Um, you know, clearly, he has passion on his sleeve every time he goes out to play. So, for me, that's that's an easy answer. Yeah, he's 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 uh, you know he, he's going to deserve his uh, deserve his uh, testimonial uh, this year. You know, do you know what's weird, Alex, about that question? What, I lo- what I've loved about getting to know. Now, Andrew, as well, is that he's got an encyclopedic knowledge. So I, I struggle to, to think of who played last weekend, where Andrew will tell you who scored a goal in 1986 in the 57th minute and tell you how they, how they scored. So, yeah, for me, it's a really difficult. I, I know I like in the current squad, but I can't. I'm going to stay away from mentioning those uh, on the basis that it's Paul's job to do that. But um, I really struggled. But one of my other players was that I love Gary Burles when he came to the club. That might be more than 20, definitely more than 20 years ago, right? But I just thought, I remember him and Clive Mendonca, just a bit of class and just, um, I had a quick, quick story just to finish off. And you might have heard me say it early, but I, got, I had trials with the club in 89, I think it was. And Gary Burles growing up was my, um, was my hair when he was in Nottingham Forest and was a European Cup winner. And I, I went in for two weeks under Alan Buckley and I had a trial. And, um, he, uh, Gary Burles was there. We were training behind where Tesco's is now um, in town in, in, in near Umberston. And um, we had to do this warm up exercise and uh, we had to go through each other's legs and then jump on someone's back. And I jumped on Gary Burles' back and I, but I held on a bit too tight. I was like, I'm on Gary Burles' back. You know, it was like one of those moments. And um, he, he saw, he, the only time he ever spoke to me, he said, um, Get off. That was, that was it. That was, that was a sum total of me speaking to my hero. But it was. Um, he was such a touch of you remember I remember watching him and just didn't be able to his control and what he could do with the ball and um but yeah, you know, if you want if you want um if you if you want players from the last 20 years, that that that, that my memory goes into those sort of domains rather than enjoyed the Wembley trips. You now I went to all yeah. the Wembley trips in 98 was great and stuff, but you know, um the, the sort of rooted in my memory the DNA of the club of the sort of Joe Waters era. And I guess the best way to add, add, sort of wrap wrap it up was what sort of message do you have for the fans? What what would you like them to their takeaway is and and their your message to them? There's some obvious ones around. Look, this is a new chapter, so let's draw a line on on what's gone on and the negativity around what's gone on. So let's 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 for all of all of our mental health and positivity. Let's let's think about turning the page and and get going on rewriting the next chapter in the history of the club for the next. We get going on the next 140 odd years. Um, you know, we want to see you back in Brunner Park. So committing to supporting the club commercially, emotionally, and you know, and, and, and obviously financially alongside that will be helpful. But we recognise it's been a tough couple of years for everyone, tougher than than normal. 
we've come with an open mind and an open heart. We want to make it an inclusive, diverse, you know, where for those few hours every week, you know, as we said, we can we can put our political difference, our opinions aside and 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 get behind the club that we all love. So, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make a load of mistakes along the way. We know that that's the entrepreneurial journey. We'll have good days and we'll have bad days and the, the, the trick is facing them both in the same way. So, you know, be kind to each other as well. Just stop slagging each other off on social media. You know, we all want the same thing, which is positive performances. And but for, for the club to look at the club, you know, in the next five years, hopefully we look back at this and go, yeah, we, 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 there's something we can all be proud of. So, you know, mindset is everything for me. But, um, yeah, we also need the support. Fill the stadium, you know, come along and, and get involved, get amongst it. And um, we'll spend every penny that you put into the club, into the playing team. You know, this is not something we're looking to make a return on uh, financially at all, and quite, probably quite the opposite. So the, the money you spend will go into improving this club. So, you know, um, do what you can. I'm still there. It's like there's a shadow in the dark now. I'm actually getting quite anxious about... Uh, no, I'm, I'm OK. I just had to fend off a couple of, uh, a couple of vagrants. But um, <laughs> now, I, I guess I'll just keep it simple and just say let's, let's just keep talking because um, I think that's something that's been sorely lacking over the last 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 you know last period of time is is is, is that communication uh, so let's you know start starting off starting off with this engagement but you know let's just let's just keep talking and let's just make sure that um you know we're we're we're, we're able to, to to make a difference i say i come back to that incremental those incremental differences even everyone's ideas will be welcome you know we're going to have a full range of pin badges available um, first day of the season, uh, and uh, and 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 they'll and they'll be you know and, and there'll be um, dock beers hopefully available to, to drink in the ground. So, you know, all 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 those all those sort of small changes that hopefully make this more familiar, you know, something that's already familiar, more familiar and a better experience is what we what we what we strive to deliver. And obviously, um, all the support that everyone can give is, as Jason said, is only going to help as 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 in our mission to deliver a better performance on the pitch which then lets us drive up through the leagues which is what we all we all aspire to i mean one i, I did it actually I, i've been as i say i've been supportive for quite a long time but since since the mid-70s and i actually looked through the the seasons um uh, yesterday and counted up the number of seasons that i've been a supporter and what league we were in and actually and actually we spent more time in the equivalent of the championship during my my period of support, seventeen years, than than any other league. So I'm not suggesting that's where we want to get. We're, we're, you know, I'm not setting a target, but you know, this this club can have aspiration, and we we need we and, and it can be it can be uh, something that uh, that you know we can, we can all and should all be proud of. So um, you know we we just want to help be part of uh, help part of driving that journey. Well. I, I can only thank you all so much for joining us. We'll, I'm sure we will we'll be happy to have you on later if that was what you were talking about. That's absolutely fine. Uh, there's there's eight grinning chats on here, uh, eight grinning uh, cats on here, and Scott's probably doing the same as well, uh, working away. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, thank you for coming on and, and answering our questions, and we hope to to enjoy this journey and, and come along with with you on it. Nice. Well, thanks for having us. And, and, you know, as I said, I've appreciated listening to you guys, particularly over the last year. So um, so nice to meet you all and looking forward to seeing you all in London Park in the next few months. That's, that's a really good day to look forward to. Thanks for your time. Uh, th- 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 thanks, Alex, for hosting. And um, 
apologies to Henry for getting the dogging reference mixed up with Alex. Um, so, uh, <laughs> look, I'm not having this as the reputation that I'm garnering. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you, Andrew. Um, Alex always likes to deflect it on other people, so it's an easy mistake to make.